1: Welcome, welcome, BMAS and Beamer here on WBEN. Joe, you'll hear from a little bit later on today, so uh, just me. You'll hear from for the next hour uh, until 10 o'clock. Not just me, though. We are joined by a special guest um, hitting uh, the top of our headlines today on BMAS and Beamer. The FDA expected to authorize COVID vaccine boosters for all adults as early as today, here to talk about it, Dr. Amish Adalja, an infectious disease specialist at the Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security, is with us live. Dr. Adalja, thanks once again for being with us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Always great to talk with you. Um, you. You know, there's so many questions people have around boosters. We hear, you know, boosters for everybody. If you want a booster, you can get a booster. All adults basically being encouraged. To get a booster now, but I still think there's common questions that a lot of people have, and want to kind of hit you with a few of them quickly. Um, a booster after an infection is what a lot of people are wondering, because many, many people have gotten vaccinated. We know a majority of people uh, across the U.S., and then a, a lot of people have gotten infected after vaccination. Now, it's not a vast majority of people, but. There are a lot of stories and, you know, kind of growing by the day here. Now, to me and to a lot of people, it seems like that infection after being vaccinated kind of is their booster. Um, The question those people have are, would a booster after vaccination and infection even do anything? I mean, has their immunity even begun to wane a little bit in the span of, say, you know, let's say four months since all of that they've been through?
3: I don't think so. I think that if you've been fully vaccinated, you get a breakthrough infection that likely serves as your booster and there's really marginal benefit from f- for getting a booster at that point. There may be some select populations the severely immunocompromised, for example, or if maybe maybe you've gone on chemotherapy or gone on steroids or something after that breakthrough infection or, or had some immunosuppressant started that you might benefit from increasing but for the general population no I don't think that there's data to, to support that and I think uh, it, it's it's hard to get these kind of nuanced recommendations out of public health agencies because they often tend towards one-size-fits-all solutions uh, because they want it to be simple so that people know what to do and I think that sometimes uh, skirts over some of the real um, the the real scientific issues that that may actually play a role in who actually benefits from a booster and who doesn't.
1: Maybe the core question is one that uh, we've talked about before on this show, but it's a question that hasn't been answered yet, to the best of my knowledge at least. Uh, We still have not fully clarified what we're expecting these vaccines to do. Um, Are we supposed to uh, want the vaccine to stop anybody from getting the virus ever, to stop spread, or are we just looking for something to – get people to not be hospitalized when they contract covid or or you know maybe it's the vaccine to give people that boost of immunity first before getting covid in the first place and then maybe infection like other coronaviruses over the years is kind of our way of keeping that immunity up like the cold
3: exactly i think that articulating what the actual end game is what the goals are what the off ramps are
1: is something that really
3: is needed. I'm in this field and, and steeped in this, and I don't know uh, what, the, what the end game is because I thought I knew it. I thought it was about pres- pre- pre- preserving hospital capacity, about removing the ability of the virus to cause serious disease, hospitalization, and death. And the vaccines do a great job of, with that. And in those populations that have that have been recommended to get boosters, it makes sense for people above age 65, people with high risk conditions. But I don't know what we're doing with Talking about boosters for the general population, is it just trying to kick a, a kick a inevitable breakthrough infection down the road when we're out of the winter, when there's more drugs, when there's when maybe there's second generation vaccines available, but none of that is being articulated, so it's a little bit opaque okay to me, uh, what's going on, and the fact that the CDC director overruled the ACIP on that recommendation, the fact that 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 the FDA is now going to take the Pfizer vaccine outside of the committee process at FDA, all of that. Makes me wonder, you know, what, what we're really trying to accomplish. And I think this this whole booster discussion started backwards because it was announced by the president, not by a physician, not by not by the CDC, not by the FDA. And then we've kind of been back scrambling to try and <clears throat> make the president's promise whole. And the data didn't really support it. And that's why they got pushback at the FDA committee. That's why the ACIP voted the way they did on a certain on a certain recommendation. And it's confusing. But but it's a it's a bad state of affairs when there are more boosters going into people than first and second doses because that's what's changing the trajectory of the pandemic, not the boosters.
1: Uh, this is less of a question, more of just kind of an observation, because I think it's it's what most people who are in the you know booster category are, are thinking through their heads right now, and that is just the booster itself seems like it's going to be a tough sell. You know, even uh, putting aside the idea of, you know, never-ending shots being mandated, you know, we're hearing out of the UK that, you know, maybe it's three doses now is fully vaccinated, um, you know, to stay employed, which is a total other issue, but, you know, is an issue in and of itself. I, you know, I'm thinking of myself, if I went and got a booster shot, I wouldn't go into work the next day after getting a booster, just given the effects I felt from my initial vaccination. I might not even the day after The day after. And a lot of people don't have the time off to say, "Okay, I'm going to go get a booster and then be sick for a day or two afterwards. Uh, Conversely, you do have employers and I know this is not everything, but if you were to test positive for covid after vaccination, you probably have minimal symptoms. You could get 10 days off, you know, no questions asked with a positive covid test. And, you know, it, it sounds like everything that doctors don't want you to even think about. But for real everyday people, this is what you're thinking about. Listen, I, I'm going to have to take a day off of work to get a booster shot because I'm going to be sick if I'm going by what happened after I got the vaccine. Or if I get COVID, you know, I I might not even know it. Or if I test positive, I, I'll get time off of work, no problem.
3: Yeah, this, I, I think, is something that is, is logistically very difficult and needs to be thought about because, yes, it's probably uh, – it's probably going to be disruptive for some people when they get their third dose. But I would encourage people, especially if they're in those high risk groups to get that third dose for, for the healthy population. Again, it doesn't necessarily, there's not strong data to support this people keep talking about this data, but it, it hasn't accrued at this point uh, to say that this is a durable, uh, a durable protection that they're getting. But yes, there there are going to be people who, who get their third dose and have to take a day off of work and they may not have that in their employment contract the way they would if they they tested positive, and I think there are efforts underway to try and make that more more common. But I think in general, you you have to really think about all of these types of um, cascading impacts when you're when you're thinking about a policy change, and that's why the policy change should be something that is driven by data and and actually articulate, and the goals that are trying to be achieved in the healthy population are articulated.
1: Um, You know, I've lamented a lot of times on this show about the idea of politicians and people behind podiums uh, speaking to everybody. A lot of times it sounds like they're speaking down to everybody, you know, tends to do more harm than good. Uh, We had a couple of those this week here in our area. Uh, One of them we heard a doctor from Buffalo General Hospital say that they're, you know, they're raising the alarm about increasing hospitalizations here. Their hospital capacity, he said, is 110 percent capacity which you know sounds off alarm bells and then he continued and said 10% of that is covid patients and i'm thinking well hang on a second so if we eliminated covid uh, from the entire area you'd still be at 99% capacity and this is something that a lot of people are saying you know we hospital capacity hospital capacity hospital capacity at what point are we stopping pointing the finger at me and the public and starting to question well Why aren't we building up capacity? Because even without COVID, it seems like you're at capacity.
3: Well, hospitals do operate very close to capacity, even in a non-pandemic situation, because the way healthcare financing works in this country is an empty hospital bed is like an empty hotel bed. You don't get revenue on it. So there's been a, a, a trend where hospitals have decreased the number of beds, have moved many procedures that used to be inpatient and outpatient just to decrease their overhead. And that becomes an issue when there is a surge that is sustained, like with the pandemic, and it's very difficult for hospitals to expand capacity. In certain states, if you want to open new beds, you, you have to not only submit that to be approved by the State Department of Health, but your competitors may have the right to say, no, you don't need those beds. They have to file a certificate of need. So we've really constrained the ability of hospital capacity to actually meet market demand. Hospitals are not like you know, Zoom, where when Zoom had a big, big uh, rise in demand because people were doing things online, they were able to expand capacity. Hospitals can't do that. You can't build a quick hospital. And imagine if you just wanted to build a wing, how many local township supervisors and zoning boards you would have to bribe just to get a hospital built past. Uh, their, their hospitals are not being built now because zoning boards are holding them up. So this isn't something that can be done quickly. So hospital capacity is almost fixed uh, in the United States because of our bureaucracy. And I think it's something that needs to be addressed because it really put us in, in a dangerous situation. The other thing with capacity, remember, is it's not just beds, it's staff beds. And we do have a staffing shortage. So there may be beds that they have that they could put patients in, but they don't have nurses to take care of them.
1: Uh, Dr. Adalja, thank you so much for the time. Always appreciate having you on, and I know you have to run. You didn't have uh, that much time, but uh, I appreciate it. Dr. Amish Amish Adalja is an infectious disease specialist at the Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security. Uh, Joining us to kick off the show is our top news item of the day was the FDA expected to authorize vaccine boosters For all adults, as early as today. And if you missed any of that discussion, when you're having that, um, you know, internal monologue, right? That's probably how the discussion goes. Are are a lot of people having discussions about boosters? I don't know if they are. You're probably having an internal monologue if you're being told, "Hey, go get a booster shot." Um, And as Dr. Adalja said, it's kind of being treated as one size fits all. But that might not be the case. You know, if you've been vaccinated and then you've got COVID, maybe not the case that you need to run out and get a booster shot. Um, Go back and listen to that interview when it's posted at the end of the day. uh, WBEN.com and anywhere you get your podcast. just search for BMAS and Beamer. Again, thanks for being with us this morning. We're uh, winding down turkeys for tickets. If you donated a turkey this morning, thank you very much. We appreciate it greatly, right? 20-pound turkey got you a voucher for tickets to an upcoming Sabres game. And I know uh, hundreds of you. I'm not sure the exact, maybe thousands. I'm not sure the exact tally. We'll get that at some point later in the day. We're lining up all throughout the morning to donate your tickets at the three different locations. And we appreciate each and every one of you. Thanks for making this a success. Year after year, and it's good to be back after not doing this uh, last year. Of course, you know there there were no tickets to any games to go to. You know, you weren't allowed to go to a game, so you couldn't do uh, tickets for turkeys. Uh, but we were back this year, and we're glad to have so many people uh, hang out and help support us. Uh, but a lot uh, of other things to get to. If you want to weigh in on anything you heard from Doctor Adalsha, what is your internal monologue like? If you are deciding whether or not to get a booster shot, you you hear the plea from behind the podium, go and get a booster shot. Every adult is now eligible for a booster shot, but it's often way more complicated than that. Maybe you got vaccinated, then you got COVID. Well, what do you do in that situation? You're certainly not the same as somebody who got vaccinated back in January of this year and never got COVID. Right, I, I mean, it, not everybody is different. What is your internal monologue like? Let us know 8030930. You can weigh in here on W B E N. And uh, Dr. Adalja was joining us today. Tomorrow we're going to be joined by Dr. Michael Cummings, who was um, uh, is, uh, works with ECMC, uh, associate uh, medical director there, I believe. I'm getting titles all wrong, uh, but he is. Uh, a big part of the uh, psychology program over at the University of Buffalo as well. Uh, He's going to join us tomorrow morning to talk about this next story where, I mean, the COVID picture. it, It is borderline insanity in some areas. Over in Portland, Oregon, one of the middle schools in the Portland School District announced this week they're going back to distance learning for about a couple of weeks. For the safety of its students, not because of COVID cases. No, because according to the district, we're finding some students are struggling with the socialization skills necessary for in-person learning, which is causing a disruption in school. So uh, kids have lacked socialization skills because they weren't in school for 18 months. (laughs) And now what's the reaction to that? We're going to close school to help deal with it. How does that work? I, I, I don't understand. But you see, I mean, that's just one example of the continued struggles that kids are having even in November, late November of 2021, all these months later. And Dr. Cummings works uh, with kids all across New York State, and he's going to help us sort through some of that. Um, And and, well, great to have him. That's coming up tomorrow morning. But elsewhere around the world, again, your internal monologue, want you to weigh in on what you think right, of the booster shot scenario. I, 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 it's a difficult thing to grasp. And, and I really do want to kind of, b- before we get into the other news of the day, I do want to point to this. You know, so many people say that they're concerned about everybody, right? You know, we're, we're concerned about everybody's health. We're, we're so sensitive to everybody's situation, but nobody ever really seems to act like it. Because think of that scenario that I posed to Dr. Adalsha. And, you know, you may think this is crazy, depending on your point of view. You may think it makes perfect sense. It's the conversation or the internal monologue that so many people are having. Because so everybody knows multiple people by this point who have had covid Multi, uh, millions of people all across the U.S. have had COVID. And what are you thinking when you're told, go and get a booster shot right now? I, You're not bringing up this idea that so many people have gotten vaccinated, have, and, and you know, listen, I, I get my shots, my vaccines. I, you know, I haven't got one in a long time, but I get the flu shot every year, especially after my son was born. And, you know, it's the normal thing, right? Your uh, arm is sore after. And you kind of expect those sorts of things. It's nothing that uh, big. After I got a COVID vaccine, I mean, I was sick the next day. It's nothing crazy, but certainly sick to the point where I'm not going into work in the morning. Um sick to the point I was on the couch all day. I was pretty useless for an entire day. And the day after that, still, you know, feeling a little groggy and feeling the effects of that. And that's not to say that I regret getting the vaccine because I felt sick like that. But my wife had the same sort of reaction. She got a different vaccine and both times the day after, you know, I I, but the second time I was counting on it. When she got the second shot of her vaccine, I was counting on, Okay, you know, what are we going to do today, buddy? Because your mom's going to be up in bed because she's going to feel awful this day. And again, that's nothing to say on the decision to get vaccinated. So I kind of knew what to expect. I took the day off of work the next day to go and get that vaccine, right? And had no problem with it at that point. But now we're asking for another shot. And when you... Have, especially, like, and I am not alone in this, I know this, you have two people in the same household, both getting vaccinated, different vaccines, relatively healthy people, and you are more sick, you're feeling the effects, more so than many people you know who have actually gotten COVID pre-vaccine. You're like, ah, I mean, that kind of stinks. You know, glad I got vaccinated, glad I got uh, the protection or whatever. I did, as my doctor recommended, but, man, I was uh, just as sick as the uh, people I know who got it. Obviously, that's not the same for everybody. You know, Obviously, there's been thousands of deaths from COVID. But when you start talking about a booster shot, all right, now you need more protection. Is anybody willfully, again, signing up for, okay, I'm going to have to take another day off of work, a, a day that I might not have? I don't have the PTO time to take another day off of work. Uh, If I get a breakthrough case, though, they'll send me home, no problem, and I'll probably feel okay. Mild symptoms, about the same as I would as if my side effects were the same from a vaccine. I mean, these are the things that aren't addressed because doctors shudder at the thought of it being brought up. But you're kidding yourself if you don't think that this is what people are thinking when they're having that internal monologue about the idea of going to get a booster shot. If you're thinking, well, listen, I know you know plenty of people who have now gotten COVID after being vaccinated. A lot of people didn't even know they had it. Their effects were so uh, mild. That's the beauty of the vaccine, right? I, am I going to sign myself up for a booster shot now as a way to supplement that immunity? I, people are going to be asking that question, and it's being ignored. And the reason why, I mean, it seems like a good reason why, why right? It's being ignored because obviously healthcare officials do not want you going out and getting infected on purpose. Now, I kind of think that's dumbing down the audience, so to speak, because I don't think anybody is going out and getting infected on purpose. But I, it, you do need to address it and answer the question that many people have. If a booster shot is that important, as you've been saying, what is the reason that you need to get that, knowing the different effects and knowing that people are having this internal monologue when trying to make that decision why don't people want to get a booster well i had bad effects after getting vaccinated the first time not really wanting to sign up for that again and it seems like people have gotten COVID after being vaccinated are pretty well okay that's a real conversation people are having let's go to kate kate you're on wben thanks for joining us what's on your mind
0: um, so I I kind of, I was a little leery of getting the vaccines to begin with, but it was kind of family pressure, and also I had season tickets for the bills. So, um, but anyways, I got vaccinated in May and June, and I was with a friend in October, and she called me the next day and told me that her mom had COVID. I wasn't with her mom, but she was. So I got tested, and I tested positive. Um, her entire family got COVID. Her mother passed away last week from COVID. All of them fully vaccinated. Her mother also already got her booster. Um, so, I mean, it's, I'm just questioning. You know, I had vaccine four months ago, and I was pretty sick for, like, three of the days. I wasn't hospitalized, but, you know, I was, coughing, just had severe headaches, could barely get out of bed. Um, and, you know, the Department of Health called me two weeks after my my positive test to talk about some contact tracing, and which seemed kind of late at that point. But they said, well, don't worry. Anybody that you've been with that's fully vaccinated, they don't have to quarantine. And I said, but I was fully vaccinated. If I wouldn't have quarantined, I would have spread it to who knows how many people, so I did. I stayed home for, you know, the 10 days, um, you know, and now they're pushing for a booster. Like, what is that going to do to me? Because, like you, I um, I was really hurting after my second vaccine. I stayed home for three days and was just exhausted. I felt like I had the flu. So, you know, I think it's never going to end, and it's just going to be one booster after another, and God only knows what
1: it's doing to our bodies. But I'm hoping I have immunity now. Hey, Kate, I appreciate the call. Unfortunately, we have to run uh, near the bottom of the hour. But, yeah, I mean, you listen to Dr. Adalja, who was just with us, and he would say, listen, you got vaccinated, then you contracted COVID. I mean, you don't – he doesn't see a need for you to go and get that booster shot. But this is the problem of kind of treating everything as a one-size-fits-all, of treating everyone as the same. This is why the best advice, if you're behind a podium, to give to people would be, Go talk to your doctor and figure out what's best for you. And that person can tell you, based on your experiences, when you're talking to an entire region of people, you can't address every single person's experience with COVID, with the vaccine, vaccinated, unvaccinated, uh, got half a dose, got you know, whatever. You, it's impossible to do that. The best advice would be to talk to your doctor. And they can kind of sort through all of these questions that you have. But just ignoring all these questions I think it's a bad road to go down and, uh, you know, it's ignoring what people are, are really questioning themselves when they think about this idea of a booster. Hey, you're with BMAS and Beamer on WBEN.
2: Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink
1: It's Beamaz and Beamer. Now Brian Mazarowski and Joe Beamer. News Radio 930 WBEN. That's right. It is Beam and Beamer here on WBEN. Joe is uh, not with me today or tomorrow or the next day or the next – should we rename the show? I'm going to – over the next week, just uh, we'll, we'll slide something else in there. Uh, but we'll have uh, Joe back at some point. You'll hear from him later on today here on WBEN. If you missed the first segment, we did speak with Amish Adalja, the doctor and infec- infectious disease specialist. At the Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security, we were talking about boosters and the questions, the real questions that people have when they have that internal monologue, right? The internal monologue of, should I be getting a booster or not? Because, you know, you'll have three sets of people. On one side, and it's like everything. On one side, you'll have people who hear, all right, everyone, go get a booster right now, and they'll line up and immediately, yes, yes. Okay, no problem, no issue. You'll have a, oh, go get a booster. No, no way, never, <laughs> never, uh, ever. And uh, they're on the other side. And then you have most people who are in the middle. The FDA expected to authorize COVID vaccine boosters for all adults as early as today. Most people in the middle. I have been vaccinated. I feel safe and fine. What do I do here? Do I want to get a booster? And there's a lot of issues and reasons why the booster is a tough sell, a tougher sell than the vaccine was. There, I mean, there was maybe a couple of cases, right, of people lining up to get a booster. Maybe that lasted a day, but what did you see when the COVID vaccine hit? I, I mean, you couldn't keep it in stock. It was like a PS five. Um, On the shelves, it was flying off. Everyone was lining up as soon as they're eligible. And you had a long period of that where people could not wait to get it. You're not seeing that with the COVID booster. Well, why? I don't think it's that hard to figure out. And I think some of these reasons why there are more questions around a booster than there might have been around a COVID vaccine, these questions are being ignored I think to the detriment of anything that you're trying to get across. We addressed some of them with Dr. Adalja earlier and looking to address some of them with you. If you want to weigh in, 803-0930, what is your internal monologue like if you're deciding whether or not to get a booster shot for this vaccine? Uh, you know, the first idea and one that I didn't want to get into with the doctor uh, because it could take an entire hour of the show, but it is the idea of never-ending shots being mandated to stay in your job, right? And at some point, people are going to say, hang on, enough is enough. I don't need again and again and again as a mandate to employment. And most of that kind of stems from you can't keep moving goalposts on what being vaccinated means while at the same time enforcing mandates about meeting those standards, right? So if over in the U.K. you have the prime minister saying that, yeah, well, fully vaccinated might mean getting three uh, separate shots now. Uh, It might or it will because we're being mandated to have a vaccine to go inside of a sporting event or to travel across borders or to do something like that. So if we're going to keep changing the definition of what I need to do to meet a mandate to keep my job, to travel out of country, to do this or that, that's going to be a tough sell. And you have to have solid reasons why these standards keep shifting. The other questions I, I think are, you know, real ones that people have. For a long time, we were told, hey, if you got COVID, then you got vaccinated or switch those around in order. Your immunity would be great. I mean, super immunity. After all, if you're infected with Delta after vaccination, uh, the goal with vaccination is you're most likely uh, going to feel very minimal effects or be asymptomatic. But now you have some added antibodies to this Delta variant that is still the one that's concerning a lot of people. Uh, Meanwhile, we're operating off a vaccine that's providing you immunity to the original variant. So is it boosting me more so than me getting vaccinated or getting COVID after getting vaccinated? I still need another shot. And then there's the idea of, listen, these vaccines do come with side effects. Now, I'm, I'm not going to entertain the wild claims of, you know, widespread... Uh, crazy side effects. I mean, there are some serious side effects that have happened from this vaccine. For most people, it's mild. But, you know, mild in the sense of you're not in a hospital or you're not, you know, seriously hurt. But uh, serious enough to say, well, I can't go to work the next day. Or serious enough to say, I was on a couch for two straight days. And are you going to have people willingly sign up for that after they experienced it after getting the first vaccine dose? And why should people say, Hey listen, I I could get a booster like they said. I, you know, if judging by me getting the vaccination, I'm going to have, you know, a day or two worth of not feeling good. Again, that's for some people, not all. Some people got in and are completely fine, sore arm or even nothing. But a lot of people, myself included, a lot of people in my family got vaccinated and then weren't feeling too hot for a couple of days after, feeling pretty sick. You know why? Why is it that important that I get a booster where I'm going to sign up for that again, versus you get COVID after a vaccination? And from what we're hearing, it's generally mild. It's more cold-like. It's runny nose. It's it's symptoms like this. And I, on one hand, I understand why you don't want to address it or why these ideas are not being entertained. I think it's a mistake, though. The idea that, well, by entertaining this idea, you're going to say, oh, go out and get COVID. That's better than, you know, getting uh, vaccinated or getting a booster shot. Or you're going to totally dismiss anyone getting a booster shot by entertaining all these other ideas for some. No, I, I don't think that's the, I think people are smart enough generally to make these decisions for themselves and realize that, this might be a more nuanced discussion than the original vaccination discussion was. It was easy to get behind a podium and say, hey, get vaccinated. It's uh, going to stop you from getting a really severe case of COVID. It's less easy to tell people who have now had a wide variety of vaccines, COVID infections, um, you name it, uh, whether they're uh, immune deficient whether they have some other reason why they need a boost in their immunity whether they have no reason to think that they need a boost in their immunity it's much more difficult to get up and say in front of all these people who are so wildly different yeah everyone go and get a booster shot i think you have to address these questions if you want to get the point across it's amazing to me that we haven't figured that out yet but Being real with people, being honest with people, addressing their individual concerns, I think is the way to get your point across instead of saying everybody, period, full stop, and that's it. We'll end there. Um, And we did some of that with Dr. Adalja, so hopefully uh, you go back and listen to that interview if you missed it at the beginning of the show. All right, elsewhere in the news, that was our big news item of the day for the FDA, but uh, we'll turn it around and we have to go to, I know, it's a term I've never heard of before. And I'm hoping that you can, if you're out there and you work in the plumbing industry, maybe you can back this up. This is a story out of Grand Rapids, Michigan, out of their paper uh, over in Michigan, uh, the big one, MLive.com, where they say that, Black Friday gets all the hype, right? The day after Thanksgiving. so It's known throughout the U.S. as Black Friday. It's a big shopping day. But apparently it has another name. Apparently the day after Thanksgiving to some is known as Brown Friday. The day after Thanksgiving is usually the busiest day of the year for plumbing and drain service providers. That according to Roto-Rooter. I would have never thought, it makes sense, but I would have never thought about Brown Friday and Roto-Rooter and other plumbers having such a big issue cleaning out your drains and sewers and everything like this. Now, according to uh, their website, there are a lot of different factors that contribute to the issue. Large gatherings all in one household. You have limited facilities, and a lot of people. <laughs> you didn't add more pipes over the uh, just for the Thanksgiving holiday, right? There's also, you know, it's not just you. There's also the meal preparation, the kitchen cleanup overload, sinks and disposals, okay? So you're cleaning the dishes. There's more crud, you know, the, the extra scrapings that go down the drain, right? And then, of course, there's the obvious. You eat a lot. Something's got to happen to it. All of this leads to what roto Ruder calls Brown Friday. I never have seen it before in my life. I'm hoping that somebody out there can back this up because it would be hilarious if true, and I'm never going back to Black Friday. I'm only celebrating Brown Friday from here on out. Many Thanksgiving hosts have overnight guests who take showers, baths, flush toilets, might even do a laundry load or two. It's all extra strain on the plumbing system. It's like the last straw that breaks the camel's back, according to the company. Um, (laughs) I've never seen it. They see a 50% increase in call volume over an average Friday and a 21% uptick in business over any other four-day weekend period. How about that? I've never heard of it before. I think it's hilarious. Brown Friday. They give you tips, too. Maybe we'll, uh, uh, and it's all the normal stuff, right? If you have a disposal, keep it running when you're uh, putting stuff down the drain. No bones down the drain. No turkey drippings, cooking oil, grease down the drain. They solidify in pipes. It's going to make it worse. Potato peels, the skin of the turkey, keep it in the trash and not in the drain. You're going to thank yourself for not calling uh, the plumber, and the plumber, believe it or not, is extremely busy on the day after thanksgiving so that was one uh flipping the page now to global warming news and we're seeing a lot of this maybe because of the big conference that's going on but more and more uh places trying to get in on how do i help how do i help the community how do i help uh change climate change reverse the trend so to speak and in la they've come up with a great new idea Los Angeles officials looking to respond to climate change with big changes of their own. A new ordinance in L.A. will forbid restaurants with 26 or more employees from handing out ketchup and mustard packets without customers requesting them. That goes into effect April of 2022. No more ketchup packets, no more mustard packets, all in the name of saving the environment. Uh, I, I have a few questions on this. One is restaurants with 26 or more employees. I am assuming that whoever wrote this law is assuming that the 26th employee in every restaurant is just the ketchup guy, that that's their job. Because that's the only way that number makes sense. 26 or more. 26 means you have just the ketchup guy who's throwing the packets in the bag they're going to do away with it. It's another one of these things. It's also in the state where there's no plastic straws um, and also no other single use food accessories. So I think that's even plastic forks and knives you can't get. Uh, Maybe you can get with asking, but certainly not without asking in the state of California. And now this is going to make a big difference. Uh, Another one, where we're going, and this might actually make a big difference. This is down in New South Wales. We go down under for this. Dark roofs are banned going forward in New South Wales. The NSW government moving to ban dark roofs as part of its push to deliver a more sustainable housing environment and reach a target of net zero emissions by 2050. The quote that got me was uh, from one of the officials involved in this move, um, the planning minister, Rob Stokes, where he said, a small investment now will reap enormous dividends in the future. You're banning dark roofs. You know how expensive a roof is on a house. If you got a new roof two years ago, and now you're going to have to get another new roof within just a couple of years... I don't think that's a small investment. I think that's underselling it just a little bit. Uh, They said there's no practical reasons why we shouldn't be ditching dark roofing on new homes permanently to ensure future communities of Sydney's west don't experience the urban heat that many communities do now. So now that one's backed by a good amount of science. You you, kind of hear that a lot. Light colored roofs uh, reduce the need for all the AC, reduce the heat in the area, not just the building. And I think for now this is just newly built homes. You're not going to see any new homes with a dark roof. But if we're going retroactive, I think you might have a few more upset people than you would have initially thought with that dark roof. But the catch-up the packet thing to me is a lot like – I mean, it's like every little thing where when you talk – this is why people don't take climate change as seriously as maybe they should – is because you're trying to tell me that we're going to change the world by having me ask for ketchup instead of just giving it to me. It's just a little hard to believe. And I say it all the time. It's when you're drinking or trying to drink through your paper straw and you're on the QEW and you're passing through Hamilton, Ontario, and the sky is on fire, and you're listening to somebody tell you about how your ketchup packet is the thing responsible for global warming. It's just a little difficult to believe. I, something tells me that the fire and smoke and smog in the sky from those big buildings over there are causing a little bit more harm than I am just eating my ketchup here. Just a little bit. I, I tend to not take you as seriously when I'm driving past all of that. Just a thought there when <laughs> we're trying to save the environment. Listen, not bad ways. I think it's the overselling it, of it that does it for me. Right, it's You can sell it as, hey, listen, you're going to have to request your ketchup. We're not going to automatically give it because, you know, we're trying to help save the environment, reduce our plastic waste a little. Okay, you have no problem with that. To say that we're going to reverse the trend of climate change by uh, our ketchup packets, it's overselling it just a tiny bit, I think, to be able to uh, say that. And uh, that's where people start going, oh, wait a second. I don't know if this is exactly doing all that. Hey, thanks for being with me, Beamaz and Beamer. We'll be back tomorrow, or I should say I will be back tomorrow with my guest, Dr. Michael Cummings. Um, We're going to talk about that situation in Portland, which is not happening here, but it, it does illustrate in an extreme matter, right? Closing schools because kids are not socially ready to be in person. Why? Well, because you closed schools and now you're closing schools again to help fix the problem. I, I, I'm i struggling to understand that. But it is an extreme illustration of the struggles that kids are still going through. Dr. Cummings uh, working with a lot of kids throughout the state. He's seeing this firsthand. What do kids still need from us? He'll be my guest to kick off the show tomorrow morning here at 9 o'clock on WBEN. BMAS and Beamer. The news is up after and then David Bellavia. <laughs>